everyone. Welcome back to the Aspiring Polymath. My name is Micheline, and I'll be joining Kennedy on Episode 7, Father of Medicine. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. This is an episode I've been planning to record for a long, long time now. I think it was supposed to be my second or third episode, but uh, I kind of got carried away with the interviews. They were pretty fun. That being said, uh, the podcast is also supposed to be about learning. Not that you don't learn from the interviews, but more direct learning, I guess. So we'll be talking about um, one of my influences for starting the podcast today. He's a character from ancient Egypt. His name was Imhotep. Um, do you wanna do you wanna talk a little bit about him, Micheline, before I go in? Okay, so I don't really know much about him, but what I do know is. Um, he was an Egyptian polymath, and a polymath is basically a person who's an expert in like many areas of learning. And he was also born in like Memphis, Egypt, around two thousand six hundred and sixty-seven BC. No, very exact. I wanted to leave out the sixty-seven part because it was just like, how could you? I don't know how they can know so precisely what year exactly, but I guess it's an estimation. It's an estimate. But yeah, uh, Imhotep was an Egyptian polymath. Uh, He lived around, I prefer to say he lived around 2600 BCE. Uh, He lived during the reign of Pharaoh Zoser. I I call him Joser, but apparently his name is pronounced Zoser. And he also lived through the reigns of two pharaohs after that. Well, at least one, Sekemket and... The other one, I forget his name, in the Third Dynasty. And like you said, he was born near Memphis. He was also a commoner. He wasn't born in the royal family, which um, will be surprising considering what else happened in his life after that. Um, Imhotep means he who comes in peace. That's the meaning of his name. So this, why was he a polymath? He was a polymath because he was in, like, he had his hands in a number of fields. I believe he's, he started out... As a priest, uh, he later became high priest. He was an architect. He was uh, Zoser's architect for his um, step pyramid. He was his vizier, which is like um, kind of like a prime minister-like position in modern terms. I, I mentioned this a little bit in the first episode in Genesis, I believe. He was also a sage. like He was known to be very wise and knowledgeable in a number of topics. He was a poet. He was a mathematician. He was an astronomer, also astrologer, depending on how you want to define it. Um, yeah, he had his hands in a lot of things. Like um, I don't know, he was he was the Renaissance man before Renaissance men even existed. So he who, was a very remarkable individual. So who um, taught him in all these areas? Did he like train himself, or did he have people to look up to? That's a very good question, and it's the answer to that question is difficult. I haven't found any information that would answer that question, but let me, I, I don't know, I'll take a stab at it, I guess. When I say he was a priest, the priests in ancient Egypt were not just, they were not just priests in that um, they were experts on religious matters only or spiritual matters. I think they were also very learned, so... The priests then would have been learned about things like astronomy, for instance, um, perhaps even medicine. Okay. 
a number of other subjects. So I'm guessing he picked up a lot of information from there, but he would also have did a lot of studying himself. Like as a physician, he probably, he practiced as a physician a little bit. Um, He also probably did a lot of his own experiments, a lot of his own research to learn more because he was very, very renowned physician in his time. Okay. Yeah. So my guess is most of that information, a lot of that information he picked up just being a priest or being in the priestly order, being a, becoming a high priest also. But most of it is due to his own individual brilliance too. But I don't know. There's a lot we don't know about that time. People, there's a lot of information out there about that time. Some of it is assumed. Some of it is confirmed. But there's plenty that we don't know about how they lived. So who's to say where he picked it, picked it up? So Imhotep supposedly diagnosed and treated over 200 diseases in his lifetime, which I don't know, by modern standards might not sound like, might not sound too impressive, but back then that was very, that was very impressive. Um, These diseases included stuff like tuberculosis, appendicitis, gout, gallstones, arthritis, uh, a few other things at at the time would have plagued people and they wouldn't have known what, what to do about it. Something like tuberculosis, especially, which I believe it's caused by bacteria, which Western medicine was not even aware of until what the 1600s, 1700s. Mm-hmm. I think even even in the American Civil War, they didn't really know. I think that was when that was when Western medicine was really beginning to understand the effects of bacteria on the human body and how antibiotics might help or how bacteria infected people even late, even, I don't know, even very late into the 1800s, people would still like try to fish out bullets from people's bodies with their fingers and stuff, infecting the wounds and everything. So it's very impressive that 4,500 years ago or 4,600 years ago, there was an Egyptian physician who knew enough about presumably knew enough about bacteria to cure something like tuberculosis. I actually have a question about that. I saw that you named your podcast Father of Medicine, but to most people, you the, uh, Hippocrates is the father of medicine. So why doesn't um, Imhotep really get as much recognition? Oh, you mean um, the, the episode? Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, that's a good question. That's a very good question. So Hippocrates, for those who don't know, is a Greek physician, I believe he was a physician, Greek physician who is uh, credited as being the father of medicine. If you don't know who Hippocrates is, then you might recognize um, his name or his name as a root for the Hippocratic Oath, the oath that doctors take uh, to do no harm when they become doctors. It's called the Hippocratic Oath and it gets his name from Hippocrates. Um, so why is Imhotep not as recognized as Hippocrates? Uh, f- a number of reasons for that. The first being Hippocrates is just more popular. And that's because a lot of, a lot of the things that we know about the ancient world comes from the Romans and the Greeks. And a lot of the narrative of what we know about the ancient world today comes from Western historians, Western philosophers, and the like, who tended to identify with um, the Greek and the Roman philosophers. That's why we know so much about Socrates, Plato. We know about Seneca. We know about 
Marcus Aurelius, yes, all of those popular guys, um, Pythagoras, what have you. But we don't know a lot about Arab, Arab philosophers or Arab mathematicians or physicians like um a lot of people don't know about Avicenna for instance his real name is Ibn Sina Nigerians might know about him because there's a school in Nigeria called Avicenna but there are people like that like the Arabs who discovered who created the number zero for instance that allowed a lot of mathematical operations to be possible basically they invented base 10 mathematics as far as we know it anyways. So there's there's a lot of people like that that are lost in history because Western history doesn't focus on them. And the same thing happened to African scientists, mathematicians, um, polymaths in general, people like Imhotep, because Western history does not focus on them. But take Pythagoras, for instance. It's a great example. Or Archimedes. Archimedes is credited as having... Basically, there's a story about... Um, Honestly, I forget how the story goes. It has something to do with the king's crown and a bathtub and something. But basically, he he discovered the principle of density, how density worked, and um, displacement, displacement of volume and density. He discovered how that worked, something to do with the king's crown. And this is an old story. You can go look it up. Something about, look up the story of Archimedes and density. You'll find it. But basically... A lot of the scientific concepts that we know, scientific and mathematical concepts are credited to the Greeks because they're the ones that told the story at the time. So we think Pythagoras invented Pythagoras theorem that you've heard about because um, um, defining how three sides of a triangle are related, great, wonderful. But it's not possible, I put it to you, it's not possible that Pythagoras is the first person that discovered the relationship between three sides of a triangle yes, when I'm, people were I'm pretty sure it in. took information from like different sources and just developed it and then gave themselves credit at the end yeah like people were building pyramids in Egypt long before Pythagoras discovered that a pyramid is basically a three-dimensional triangle how do you build a massive pyramid that's hundreds of feet high without understanding the relationship between the three sides of a triangle. I don't think that's possible. Yeah. So it makes it makes no sense to me that Pythagoras is credited as being the one who discovered that theorem. But I mean to the I mean I, I won't even say to the victor goes the spoils because it wasn't the case of the Greeks. Although the Greeks did conquer Egypt eventually, they did take over Egypt. But th- I don't think this was a case of that. It's just they're the ones who told the stories. So they're the ones who get all the glory in the stories. A lot of people don't know this, but Pythagoras was actually a student in Egypt for 22 years. Wow. I think it was 22 or 23 years. So a lot of what he learned, presumably he learned in Egypt. He learned a lot of that stuff in Egypt. And it's not like, okay, he studied there 22 years and he decided to leave. He actually left Egypt because um, Egypt was conquered by the uh, Babylonians at some point, the Persians, Whichever this, I tend to get those civilizations mixed up. But he was Egypt was conquered by the Persians at some point, and that was why um, Pythagoras' studies in Egypt ended. So there was a lot to learn from the Egyptians at the time. They were masters of uh, mathematics, astronomy, medicine, science, as we see now. So I don't know. Yeah, they were really well developed. Say again. I said they were really well developed. 
yeah, going back to your question, I'm getting a little bit carried away. Why is uh, Hippocrates widely regarded as the father of medicine and not Imhotep? It's because most people don't even know who Imhotep is. Most people have never even heard the name Imhotep before, even though the Egyptians are the ones that the Greeks learned a lot of the things they learned from. They learned a lot of those things from the Egyptians. So the Greeks just have better PR, basically. It's the short answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but that was that was a pretty good question, though. So yeah, um, there's some evidence of um, Imhotep's work in medicine. One of the more popular ones is called the Edwin Smith Papyrus. It's a document that's written in um, Egyptian hieroglyphics or heretic script, basically a shorthand, and it talks about different anatomical terms, different uh, treatments to diseases and injuries and stuff like that. Um, supposedly it's it's a work of Imhotep from later times. I don't know how accurate that is. You can look that up yourself. Um, but it shows how important his work was even at the time and even to the point where in the late, I think it was late 1900s when that was found, it was still considered impressive. Okay. Yeah, and um, Imhotep, this is crazy when I saw this, Imhotep was writing about medicine over 2,000 years before Hippocrates was born. So it's kind of wild for people to say, like, oh, Hippocrates is the father of medicine. I'm sure somebody could make an argument to say that, okay, maybe he had a more scientific method approach towards medicine. Maybe, I don't know. But in order to say that conclusively, you'd have to know how Imhotep approached it as well. But we do know he was... The Greeks definitely learned from his work. There's no argument of that. For so Hippocrates commoner, didn't become Hippocrates in a vacuum. For a commoner, it's amazing to see how smart and versatile he is. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, one thing about Egypt is, even though they had like a royal system and um, commoners weren't exactly didn't exactly have the highest highest stations. From the little I've, well, I won't say little, but from what I've read about their society, if you, people who were part of the priestly orders were, they were very, very learned people. Like they, they were very knowledgeable. They learned a lot of things. So that's not what's so surprising that, that's not the thing that surprises me about him being a commoner. The fact that he knows, he knew so much is not what's surprising. Is the way he was honored that's surprising. But anyways, we'll get to that part later on. I don't want to skip too far ahead and ruin the story for everyone. But anyways, um, uh, Imhotep was credited with building the first ever school of medicine in the world, as far as we know. Who knows? There might have been another one first. But the first ever school of medicine on record was built in Memphis, Egypt, by Imhotep, supposedly. He also was in charge of the construction of the Great Step Pyramid in Saqqara, which was built to be 204 feet tall, the tallest structure of its time. It might not be very impressive today to people who see skyscrapers every day, but in uh, 2,500 BCE, 4,600 years ago, 2,600 BCE, that was very impressive. That was a very impressive structure to build. And uh, the Egyptians would go on to build grander pyramids later on in Giza, specifically, um, later on in the Third Dynasty, but a lot of them too took inspiration from this early pyramid and they just made it bigger and better and added more and more to his designs. 
Some people even claim that even the later pyramids um, were based almost solely on his designs, but I don't know. Can't really substantiate those claims. Of course. But they definitely took they definitely took uh, influence from his inspiration from his design. Uh, he was so impressive that the pharaoh decided to put his name on the pyramid. That's what that that was what really surprised me. That's usually, from what I've read, anyway. That's something that was not done. It was a very high honor. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, very highly valued by Pharaoh Zoser and clearly one or two other pharaohs after him as well. The construction of the pyramids also inspired the Greeks. The Greeks, a lot of Greeks would go to Egypt at the time to learn about mathematics, philosophy, what have you, like I mentioned before. And their cultures were so different. Like there's a story I read a long time ago about the Greeks going to Egypt and um, they found it so surprising. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is something from a Greek account. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but the account was talking about how the Egyptian men would pee. They would squat to pee. Like they don't, they wouldn't stand to pee like most men do. And the Greeks were basically making fun of them that what kind of man squats to pee. Um, For whatever reason, that's just what they did in their culture. Supposedly, according to the Greeks, um, you have to go look into that yourself. But I'm just saying this to say like their cultures were so different at the time but the greeks still respected them enough to learn from them to go there and learn from them like look at someone like pythagoras dedicating 22 years of his life to learning in egypt and that kind of thing is something that the egyptians did for a long long time after that even as late as um alexander the great's time the pyramid of um sorry the library of alexandria was still like the place of learning even when the Greeks had taken over Egypt at the time, mm-hmm. it was still the place to go learn. Like there, the number of things that were kept in that library that were lost when the library, I think it was, was burned down, was just ast- astounding, really. So Egypt has been a place of learning for a very, very, very long time, longer than most people even know history about. So It's crazy to see how Egypt doesn't get that much recognition compared to like other places today. Like I don't really learn about anything in Egypt. They'll only pick out like a few things, but they never really go into depth. Yeah. I think a lot of the, again, I don't want to beat on the Greeks too much, but I think a lot of the recognition that Egypt is owed was is erroneously attributed to the Greeks. Like there are a lot of things the Greeks are, the Greeks are given credit for that they actually did not come up with themselves. They came, they learned a lot of those things from the Egyptians. Obviously, they invented some of their own stuff too, and they did some innovation too after that. But they learned a lot of things from the Greeks. A lot of the mathematics we attribute to the Greeks, going back to Pythagoras, the science, Archimedes. I'm sure there are others. I'm not even remembering right now. A lot of those things. There is no way the Egyptians did not think of those things first. Like you don't build massive pyramids like that without a healthy understanding of mathematics, physics, architecture. Like it's no, there's just no way. It doesn't make any sense. So in a way, it's very silly the way we kind of attribute those things to the Greeks and kind of do a see no evil, hear no evil approach and pretend we don't know like there are older civilizations that built things like that. Not even just the Egyptians, even the Mesopotamians had, um, they didn't, 
theirs were not called pyramids. They're called ziggurats, I think, or maybe it's Babylonian. I think the Mesopotamians built ziggurats. Somebody fact check me on that. I don't know. But they had their own structures as well. So there are many older civilizations that knew about these things. But the Greeks are the ones that had enough PR to claim credit for it, basically, and claim that they discovered the concept of density and discovered um, what's it called, fluid displacement or displacement of volume, whatever you want to call it. So, again, it's, it's surprising, but a lot of people just need to do their own research at this point. Like, there's enough, there are enough um, resources out there to learn about civilizations like this, to learn about these things. Funny enough, the first place I ever heard the name Emotep was from this movie, The Mummy. I'm sure most people have heard about it. The original Mummy with uh, Brent, what's his name, Brendan Fraser? I think it's Brendan Fraser. Um, I think it was made in like maybe 98, 98, 99, something like that. Mummy, Mummy Returns. And they made a third one with Jet Li, I think. So that was the first place where I heard about Imhotep. And he's the bad he's the bad guy in the movie. I don't think it's I don't know if it's the same Imhotep, but I'm sure it's loosely based on him somehow because this Imhotep was also a priest. He was um he was a high priest of um it was a high priest of the Temple of Horus or something something like that. Something like that. He was a priest. So he was a very important person. He was like the second to the pharaoh basically in the kingdom. Okay. I don't remember if they mentioned the Pharaoh's name in the movie. They probably did in Mummy Returns. But it was just interesting. Like the first time I ever hear hear the name Imhotep, he's the villain in the movie. He's the mummy that comes back that's resurrected and starts killing everybody and basically is trying to end the world. So it's kind of I don't know. I don't want to say that there's anything intentional going on there, but it is weird that the first time you hear his name, he's a bad guy. Yeah. And that's all you hear about him. He's a bad guy. He he was having an affair with the Pharaoh's wife. And that was why he, he got caught and he got mummified alive because of that. And he was cursed, basically. Yeah, with certain things, I don't think you can find them in like your everyday history books or even in libraries. Like you're really going to have to like dig deep for yourself. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of the times when I learned something in history, it comes from movies even though the movies are rarely ever accurate. Like, I was just curious, like, who 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 was this Imhotep guy? And I went to look up his name. And I think that was how I heard about this, this historical Imhotep for the first time. I didn't really dig that much into it. But that was when I first heard about the real person. And this was, this was a long time ago. This was probably like maybe 12, 13 years ago. I don't know. But that was the first time I was just curious. I was like, okay, let me see who this person is. Very often, that's how I learn more about history. Like, uh, we were talking about Vikings yesterday. Um, I learned a little bit about, you know, that period, early early England in the eight, uh, 800s and the Vikings before. But I didn't really know that much about Scandinavians until I saw the show Vikings. And then I, I got curious and I went to look up um, the main character, Ragnar Lothbrok. And then you get to learn a little bit more about how the Vikings lived and separate what was fact from what is fiction and what they're just making out to be a story on the show. Um, I watched The Last Kingdom and that got me even more interested. And you get to learn a little bit more. Like fiction, even though you don't always get facts, is very helpful to open your eyes to a story you've never known about before. But the problem is a lot of people watch that stuff and they're like, oh, wow, this is cool, whatever. Mm -hmm. They love Vikings. 
and then it ends there. They don't take it any further than that. But it's a great opportunity to learn more stuff. You just, you know, peek behind the curtain a little bit. There's a lot, there's a lot you learn that you never even knew about. But um, going on about Imhotep here, one of the most remarkable things about him is after his death, he was uh, deified, he was made into a demigod, and later on he was uh, made into the god of uh, medicine and wisdom. Funny thing is when the Greeks eventually came back to Egypt and they took over Egypt, they started to, basically they, were, they had this weird thing that they did where they started to link their own gods, the Egyptian gods. I'm not sure if that was because of the local population maybe to make the local population feel more at ease or maybe because they really believed it. Who knows? Like they, they linked Zeus to Ra, the sun god, or Ray, however you want to pronounce it. And they linked Imhotep to Asclepius, who is the Greek god of medicine. So he was so, he was so renowned at that time mm-hmm. that they basically considered him the equal, the Egyptian version of their own Greek god of medicine. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he's also only one of two commoners to ever have been deified, made into a demigod in Egypt. Um, I think all the other people who were deified were pharaohs. I think they were all pharaohs. Typically, the pharaohs were regarded as like living gods almost. And whenever they would die, they would be deified and made into gods. I'm not sure which pharaohs started that practice. Um, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure which pharaohs started that, but I know at some point that was the case. So he's a very, Imhotep is a very interesting character and I'm planning to do, I'm planning this to be like the first of a series of different polymaths that I'm going to talk about. I have a whole list of polymaths and other individuals too. Like a short while ago, I did a little poll on Instagram and somebody was requesting an episode like this of Marcus Garvey. Um, There are a couple other people that somebody, some people requested. I need to go look at my list. I have a whole list of them. I'm going to be talking about people like Newton, not exact, not only from the mathematical or, or physics point of view, but also his interest in theology. A lot of people are not aware of how much he was interested in theology. Um, we'll be talking about Young. I always forget his first name, but Young, uh, mathematician. He was also involved in Egyptology a lot, which is interesting because it kind of connects back to Egypt and Imhotep. So maybe I'll do Young next. I don't know. We'll see. Also, but if you guys have any list. suggestions... You can always um, text any yeah, one of you, us. And... If you have suggestions, you can um, uh, tag the page on Instagram. You could DM on Instagram. You could comment on YouTube. A uh, number of ways you could go about that. But just uh, send me your suggestions. Send us your suggestions. And, yeah, we'll try to make an episode out of whatever it is you want to learn about. Not just history or um polymaths finance music although i think i think i've done a lot of music for the time mm-hmm. being but yeah finance history politics that kind of thing anything like that that that's of interest that you would like to learn about but yeah this i actually had a lot of fun researching Imhotep's story like i knew a little bit about him but i still learned some new things when i was doing this research like i knew i suspected he was a priest but i wasn't sure and I didn't know that he was he was actually named high priest of the temple at some point. I didn't know he had cured so many diseases. Like the tuberculosis one surprised me. That was that was impressive. I was impressed by that. Yeah, me Even too. Even arthritis. 
it's just crazy to see how um, just a regular person like that can know so much, can be so versatile in like different areas. Yeah, I won't go as far as to say that he was a regular person, though. I mean, mm. um, we I don't know. It's 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 kind of like saying like Einstein is a regular person, you know. It's in theory, anybody could learn a number of anybody could get really proficient in a number of fields, but I don't know that everybody would be able to do it at the level that he did it. Like he was. In his society, at least, he was the best architect at the time, which at the time also meant he was the best engineer, kind of. He was the most renowned physician, probably the best physician at the time also. Mm-hmm. He was also a politician. Being the vizier, he had to also be a politician, a diplomat, one of the best at the time also. Like, that's 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 hard. That's a number of, a number of very difficult lines of work basically and he's the best at at least three of them that's incredibly difficult to do so in modern terms he's he's i won't even say he's an einstein he's He's more than he's he's a little bit more versatile than that even he's more versatile than that because einstein was not was primarily in one or two fields einstein was not the best mathematician ever he wasn't a lot of people don't know that but he wasn't I mean, being a great physicist, of course, he was good at mathematics, but he was not the best mathematician. Mm-hmm. As far as physics went, he was known more for his uh, thought thought experiments than hard theoretical work, even though he worked at um, a patent office and stuff like that. But he was his thing was physics, basically. Newton is even more diverse than Einstein because he was he had his hands in a number of different fields. But even Newton was not the best at all of those fields. So yes. putting things into perspective, his story is actually quite impressive. He was he was a genius, basically. He had to be a genius to be that good in so many fields. So I wouldn't really, I don't know, I wouldn't really call him a regular person. But I get I kind of get what you're saying. Like he was a commoner, I guess is what you're trying to uh-huh. say. At the time when at the time when commoners were like at the bottom of the food chain. We say that because it's still true today. Common, the modern equivalent of commoners is still at the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. Well, I guess today there's more opportunity to learn. Like knowledge, knowledge is still being hoarded. Actually, people still hoard knowledge today. Like there are a lot of things the average person would never have access to. But with the internet, the playing field is a little bit is more level. I won't say a little bit, but it's more definitely more level. Mm-hmm. But it's still not we're still not on equal footing, basically. Like, the average person does not have access to the same information that Bill Gates yes. has access to or Elon Musk. There are things Elon Musk knows that you have no way of finding out today. Does it, I don't care how long you surf the internet. Unless you're, unless you, I don't know, unless you have links to the dark web or you hack people for that information or something, I don't know how you would come about that information. You have to be on, like, a WikiLeaks mm-hmm. level to be able to come across information like that. So... Yeah, information is still being hoarded. So the average person today is still at a disadvantage. But back then it was it was a lot more to surmount back then. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Makes sense. But then a lot but, of the information was discovered by those people, you know. Exactly. Which is why it's even more impressive. Uh-huh. Because they were the they were the pioneers learning all these things. 
if he was trying new poultices or new remedies to cure a disease at the time, some of those things he was trying, probably nobody had tried it before. And now we have the hindsight of learning from their mistakes, like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. So it's even more impressive when they learned how to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like building feats like building those pyramids, maybe not necessarily his own, but the pyramids that they built later on in Giza, they're feats that were never actually reproduced. Like nobody ever reproduced stuff like that. Even in modern times, without the use of modern technology, people most people would be hard pressed to I don't even know if anybody could reproduce those pyramids. I don't think anybody with can. the same resources, with the same resources that those people had at the time. Well, I don't think we have the know-how to reproduce those pyramids. Yeah. So it's still very, still very impressive. You want to add anything before we close out here? No, I think I learned a lot from this. Yeah, this was definitely fun. At first, I was like, I was kind of dragging my feet with the episode because. Honestly, the interviews are more, I don't know, it's just more fun because they're more interactive, or at least that's that's what I thought. But when I was actually, like, trying to get my notes for this episode, right, like, okay, it was, it actually was interesting. It reminded me why I decided to do this in the first place. This was the original reason why I wanted to do this, not only to help people learn stuff, but also to brush up on some things that I knew maybe I didn't know well enough, like Emotep's story. There's a lot of things I learned by his story that I didn't know before. Um but also learning new things. Like if somebody requests a topic, I don't know anything about, that would be cool. A cool way to learn something. Um, maybe that I may not have learned before. Maybe I never even heard about the thing that the person requests, but now I know when I have to dig in and learn about it. Yeah. And then so, you yeah, can also help other people learn and you never know when you might need that information in the future. And you may just be the only person who knows about that topic. Yeah, I'm still planning to go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire one day. We'll see. We'll see how that works. But anyways, thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm sure some of you are really happy. This is probably the shortest episode on record. Well, apart from the first episode. It's probably the shortest episode on record. But thanks for tuning in. Um, You're actually going to get two episodes for the price of one this weekend. And next week, we are having... um, I actually already recorded the episode, but for chronological, just to keep my sanity, I'm going to premiere it next week. It's the episode with uh, White Manga, my good friend Odunze. It's a pretty good episode. You should definitely check it out if you're into manga or anime or that kind of thing. Uh, When I recorded the episode, he was was at like, he's a very popular YouTuber, by the way. He was probably, he was, I can't remember where he was at, but he was close to 400k subscribers. I just looked at his Instagram today. He has actually gone past 400K subscribers on YouTube. So congratulations to him. So just in case you listen to that episode and you're confused, it's because I recorded that episode. I recorded that episode like two weeks ago. So just in case you're confused, that's why I said close to 400K subscribers. But by now, he's already past 400K. So definitely by next weekend, he will still be over 400K. So don't be confused if you hear that. Just definitely check it out if you're into manga or anime. Or if you want to find out about manga anime, or if you're just into art or drawing, or if you just want to support the channel, just bottom line is check out the episode. And I'll catch you guys next week. Don't forget to share, like on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, follow Spotify, comment, let me know what you want to learn about, and we'll see you guys or hear from you guys next week. Thank you. Mm -hmm.